Well, welcome to another edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Happy Wednesday to you. It's Everyone Wednesday. And so on Everyone Wednesday, that means everybody wins, right? Well, the good news about everyone winning is that we have, boy, I'll tell you what, we have a great resource to share with you today, and we have four copies. Well, you know Pastor Ray Comfort, right? You've seen his videos, the way he uh, is such a passionate defender of the faith in the public arena, and the fact that he does um, such a great job of helping people understand what biblical truth really looks like in a world that has gone a little bit nuts. Um, You know, this is something that I think we in the body of Christ have to pay closer attention to, and especially as it pertains to the church. Uh, When I was talking with Pastor Jeremy McGarrity of Skyline Church, uh, Skyline Radio I've heard every weekday morning at 6, every weeknight at 6.30 here on K-Bright and then on our sister station KCBC in the Bay Area uh, every weekday afternoon at 12.30. Uh, he was talking about the p- messages that he has shared over the past couple of weeks regarding you know the drag queen mandatory uh, events, the, uh, uh, the school assemblies at public schools where the kids have to go and the parents are, for, are forbidden, forbade, forbidden from knowing that they were going to these events. Um, you know, it, they talk so much about the issue of, uh, you know, grooming and, and well, we're, we're, we're not grooming, not at all. Well, ask the parents of the kid who uh, was groomed by Jacqueline Ma, the uh, teacher in National City, who was named one of San Diego's five teachers of the year for this school year and is now behind bars because of the fact that she was arrested twice within one week over charges of grooming a 12-year-old boy. Uh, performing sex acts on this boy, sending explicit pictures and encouraging him to reciprocate with videos. I mean, it's just, it's it's incredible what's happening within the church. I'm not suggesting that Mrs. Ma is a Christian. I, we don't know uh, if she is or not, or if the families involved are. But I really took to heart what Pastor Jeremy McGarity said about this issue. And he said, look, when we're preaching these truths, these realities about what's happening in the culture from the pulpit, our exhortation is for the church. And I can't stress enough how important that is. Uh, when you see in, this is following Jesus' example, especially as we're in the Lenten season, as we're coming up on Holy Week, Jesus has some of his most, uh, well, I guess, angry moments for the Pharisees. I mean, understanding, of course, the times that uh, Jesus was living in, I mean, walking the earth in, I mean, he's eternal, so I mean, he's always been alive. But the idea that, you know, people say, well, Jesus got mad, got a whip and, you know, turned over the table and see, he had a bad attitude. Well, bad attitude. Well, no, he didn't. I mean, in, in the sense that he said, look, my house is a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves. And there's a whole backstory about people coming uh, to give their, uh, their, their sacrifice at the temple during Passover and how the, the, the Jewish system was set up. So you talk about being in the world, but not of it. They had their own court. They had their own currency. I mean, literally, you had to, if you went, when you went to pay your temple tax or your temple tithe, you had to exchange whatever money you had from outside into the currency of the temple. And that's why when Jesus saw the tables of the money changers and turned them over, because they were charging usury. I mean, they were charging interest, conversion fees, if you will. If you can imagine, can you imagine going to your church on this Sunday? And if your church does, uh, still does offering plates, I know a lot of them do, but, uh, you know, going to, they're going to uh, uh, virtual pays or this, that, and the other thing. But can you imagine trying to put a check in the 
offering plate or maybe cash in the offering plate and having some of the church pull you aside and say, okay, wait, I know you want to make a $100 donation here, but we have our own currency and we have our own exchange rate. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to take your $100 and we're going to exchange it into $80 of church coin or whatever we call it, and your actual donation will be 80 bucks. And you're like, wait, what? I, I just gave you 100 No, here it only counts as 80 right? And then the church profits with, because now they've got your $100, right? I mean, if you that sounds so ridiculous, and yet, why do you think, I mean, it makes me angry to think of people being taken advantage of like that, or super poor people coming up and the, 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 the minimum, the bare minimum, if you didn't have a lot, was a couple of pigeons, right? A couple of doves. And they were, let, let's say they cost a buck, you know, or, or a day's wages or something like that. That was still a lot of money. You could buy a couple of pigeons on the way if you didn't have enough for, you were basically living hand to mouth. You didn't have livestock. You didn't have possessions. You'd get there to the temple and the temple inspector would look and say, oh, I'm sorry, these aren't good enough. They're not approved. But inside the temple, well, we have a whole bunch of, uh, you know, approved sacrifices here. You could come purchase one of those. So instead of your one denarii from for purchasing the two you know jesus said aren't two sparrows worth one penny or whatever they would charge you 75 so now instead of one day's wages you had to spend two and a half months wages and you had to do this three times a year now you understand why jesus was so upset <laughs> at stuff that was happening in the church and why we could be i mean Quite frankly, I, I appreciate what Dr. McGarrity said last week when he said, look, I'm not chasing after the world and saying, you're wrong, you're going to hell and stuff like that. I mean, they are wrong, they are going to hell, but that's not mine to condemn. But for those of us in the church, we do need to biblically exhort. And uh, take a place like the University of Notre Dame. Now, it's interesting because the University of Notre Dame, of course, it, it, it's probably, you can't get any more Catholic in the United States of America than saying Notre Dame. I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of become an icon of the Catholic Church in the United States of America. The Catholic Church, of course, has a biblical worldview that is anti-polygamy, uh, anti-homosexuality, doesn't recognize same-sex quote-unquote marriage, though there's been a big debate back and forth, and of course on the sanctity of human life. But there are some inconsistencies in the Catholic Church. I mean, let's not deny the fact that even though the Catholic Church is passionately pro-life, the Catholic Church also overwhelmingly votes a majority Democrat. And even though 35% of Democrats are pro-life, registered Democrats, the Catholic, uh, the Catholic and pro-life voice is often unheard by the Democrat Party when you have people like Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Nancy Pelosi who all profess to be Catholics that are passionately pro-death of unborn children. Well, the issue of the LGBTQ agenda has reared its ugly head now in... Uh, the the Catholic Church as well, and the University of Notre Dame has become a, uh, a willing participant. The Anglican Church has gotten a lot more rainbow-friendly, as they like to say, and there's an event coming up tomorrow at Notre Dame University that just leaves you shaking and scratching your head. Here's the press release. University of Notre Dame will host an event called Queer Holiness, an experiential Christian anthropology. The Notre Dame University's John J. Riley Center will host the event, and it features an Anglican priest and author, the Reverend Charles Bell, at uh, Hager Hall at the event center. Uh, the event is also being promoted by Notre Dame's Gender Studies Program. 
Now, this is a guy who wrote a book. If you want to know why this is some controversial, check out the title of this book written by uh, the, the Reverend Charles Bell. Quote, 2022, the book Queer Holiness, the gift of LGBTQI people to the church. The event is described this way. For millennia, institutional churches have told LGBTQI people what God expects them to be and how to act. In parts of the church, LGBTQI people remain the subject of hostile questions rather than being embraced as equal children of God. Charlie Bell faces these issues head on. His thesis is simple, to reject the overwhelming scientific and experiential knowledge about LGBTQI people is no longer valid. Now, the Christian Post reported on this. They reached out to Notre Dame University prior to press time, before the event, and they did not get a response. Now, John Ritchie, who's been a contributor to the Bottom Line Show for many years, he's the director of the Catholic organization TFP Action, told the Christian Post that, uh, quite frankly, this sounds like an act of revolt against God, an insult to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and a mockery of 2,000 years of Catholic moral teaching. Don't hold back, John. Tell us how you really feel. He said, you know, quite frankly, here is the centerpiece of Notre Dame's Golden Dome, a beautiful statue of whom? The Virgin Mary. Incredible. It's, It's incredible that Notre Dame does have a history apparently, of pro-homosexual activities and events that undermine their Catholic identity. But, you know, it's interesting to think that, uh, you know, the, the, the church itself that ran the school for many years, Notre Dame was founded in 1842. It was governed by priests that belonged to the Congregation of Holy Cross, which is a missionary order. But in 1967, they decided to shift leadership to a board direct of religious leaders and people from the laity, average normal folk like you and me. So queer holiness. And you know what's interesting? How they just steamroll right on through the idea that for uh, Charlie Bell's thesis is simple, to reject the overwhelming scientific and experiential knowledge about LGBTQI people is no longer valid. I would love to know what scientific information that they have. I think that's trying to insinuate that those in the LGBTQI community have some scientific basis like a gay gene or something like that that's never actually been proven, but that seems to kind of be uh, part and parcel of where they are. But then the experiential knowledge. Now, there's something that's important to delineate. If you're a pastor and someone comes to your church and says, I want to worship here and they're gay, and you turn them away, I think you're missing the point object here though is to say look we preach the word of god and the word of god says that it is an abomination for a man to lay in a sexual relationship with another man as he would lay with a woman and the same for two women to do so as with a man that in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and when he talks about the creation of human beings and mankind he says male and female he created them those are the only options. So the idea that we keep adding all these different things about gender fluidity and stuff like that really doesn't have any spiritual or scientific basis. People can't change their gender apart from radical surgeries that do irreparable harm to their bodies. I mean, that, that, that's not being unloving to say so. That's being factually inaccurate and truthful. Now, the way we present that message 
that's the part where we might be considered unloving. And I completely acknowledge the fact that there are some people in the church. I mean, that was, what, what Andy Stanley was trying to say, I think, was, hey, we've treated people badly because we've, you know, taken fire hoses and stuff like that to gay people for being gay, and no Christian should ever do that, and I agree. But then to turn 180 degrees in the opposite direction and say, that's why we tell parents who have gay kids, hey, we want, we're baptizing gay people, saying, stay gay, God made you that way. Whoa, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. At some point, we have to take responsibility for the choices that we make as to how we express our gender and sexuality. God made us the way he made us, but we have to take responsibility for what we do with that. What's the uh, old expression? When you're born, you look like your parents, and when you die, you look like your decisions. I, uh, it's a slippery slope at Notre Dame right now, and, and it's unfortunate. But who is calling them out? And how are we calling them out? With so many challenges to the biblical worldview, how few people are living fearlessly for Christ in an era when there seemingly are so many lions around us, roaring like crazy. Ray Comfort has a brand new book about how we can take a look at the biblical story of Daniel and live fearlessly for Christ in the midst of adversity and opposition and boldly, but not obnoxiously, share the love of God with a world in desperate need of hearing it. The book is called So Many Lions, So Few Daniels. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And because it's Everyone Wins Day, Everyone Wins Day, we have four copies of this book to give away, and you can get in line right now on the giveaway. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Ray Comfort joins me next as the bottom line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com, hit the Preborn banner right now. Well, today on The Bottom Line, uh, Another visit from a, one of our favorite guests here, Ray Comfort. And Ray has a brand new book out that we've got linked up at thebottomlineshow.com that really helps us get into the whole issue of why it seems like Christianity is under attack and why is it so difficult for people in the body of Christ to stand up to said challenges to our faith. His brand new book is called So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, Living Without Compromise in a World in Need of Truth. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Ray Comfort, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Thanks for having me on again. Appreciate it. 
Daniel seems appropriate for us in the world we're living in right now. And I hate to say, I still get conversation with people. I still get the occasional email or text from someone who says, I just want it to go back to the way we are here in the United States and say, with regard to the Christian faith. And I think you pinpoint so perfectly, Ray, in this book, what the problem really is first and foremost, and then how we can start addressing it. If we don't know what the problem is, how do we know how to solve it? Yeah, let me tell you what inspired the book. It was inspired by atheists, which is so wonderful and so unique. About a year ago, I saw an atheist T-shirt that said, too many Christians, not enough lions. And I thought, oh, that's mm. about as culturally sensitive as too many Jews, not enough Nazi ovens, too many blacks, not enough lynching ropes. And I mm. was mad. So I wrote that book out of anger. And then... God did something wonderful with it, right? I mean, because was it a righteous anger you describe it, or was that more of a fleshly anger? Do you oh, think? of course, yeah. I was, I was mad because I and how dare they? You know, you can, you can, you, you got to be culturally sensitive about anybody but Christians. You can just right. rail on Christians, mock Christians, blaspheme God's name through the movies. Don't do that with Allah. Don't even say anything about Muslims. But you can rip into the name of Jesus. You can use God's name as a cuss word. Why? because we're a nation has no fear of God before their eyes. And that's the problem. The Bible mm -hmm. says through the fear of the Lord may depart from evil and people have held on to evil and embraced it and got pleasure out of it. All things that are abomination to God because of the fact there's no fear of God before their eyes. So this book really highlights the importance of fearing God. And Daniel was a man who feared God. He didn't fear man because he feared God. They told right. him, don't do this. You're going to die a horrific death. He says, take a hike. And he flung his windows open. And we need as Christians to fling our windows open because we fear and love God. We don't fear man even slightly. It's interesting. We're talking with Ray Comfort today about his brand new book called So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, Living Without Compromise in a World in Need of Truth. The book is just now out at thebottomlineshow.com. Oftentimes, we focus so much on Daniel and the lion's den that we and we think well good for you but then it's kind of uh you know uh old storybook jesus time where daniel and you know the guys are hanging out and they're just like you know they, they don't really have any expression any passion i love the way you described him flinging the doors open and saying we're going to pray we're going to do this he is kind of an unlikely hero is he not though uh, ray comfort i mean it's not like we would look at his pedigree and say oh yeah daniel's going to step up you know, all of us are unlikely heroes. The, the wonderful thing about being a Christian is I was behind the door when they gave out height. I was behind the door <laughs> when they gave out musical talent. I can't mm. play guitar. If I sing, people request that I sing on a hill far away. If I sing <laughs> down the beach, the tide wouldn't come in. I really can't sing. I can't dance, can't tap dance. There's so many things I can't do, but I can trust God. Yes. And anyone, any human being can trust God, whether you're a little child or a businessman, whether you're an intellectual or you're a politician or whatever, you've got the ability to trust God. And we live by faith. You know, you get the old atheist, the non-thinker, say, I don't have faith in anything. I just don't know. No, come on. You live by faith. When you come up to a red light, you have faith in your, and your brakes. When you step out at a, uh, when it says walk cross now, you trust that light. When you get into a plane, you trust the pilot, you trust the mechanics, you trust the gasoline. And so we have faith in every area of our life. So you say to your wife, I don't trust you, honey. You're going to be sleeping on the couch. You may even destroy your marriage with that sort of talk. Right. You say, I don't trust you to your boss. You're going to be getting a new job pretty soon. Our whole life is based on faith or trust. We trust our banks. Some banks fail. A lot of our trust is misguided. 
But when we put our faith in God, it rests upon a foundation. And this is the one Bible verse that it rests upon. It is impossible for God to lie. Banks will lie to you. Pilots will lie to you. They'll, they'll fly drunk if they can get away with what's happened in the past. Red lights fail, but God will never, ever let you down because he's without sin. And that's why we need to have faith in him. And faith in God produces a boldness of the heart. And and uh, and we need to be bold in this dark time. This is a very, very gross, dark time for humanity, dark time in our history. And that's when Christians need to stand up and shine as lights in this world because the light shines brighter in the darker. Amen. Ray Comfort is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The brand new book is called So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, Living in, Without Compromise in a World in Need of Truth. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Ray, I get the sense that a lot of people are waking up to the reality that part of the problem that we have in either what we would call apologetics here among American Christians or even evangelism has more to do with American citizenship than our eternal home with the Lord. And I would love for you to talk about how Daniel encourages us to have the right kind of courage to stand up to the culture and also to take the right kind of risks, too, in terms of the way we express that faith in a culture that, as you mentioned, is hostile to Christianity because there's no respect for God, so why would they respect our faith? Yeah, we have a little dilemma. Um, have you ever heard the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink? That's a lie. Don't believe it. You can salt his oats. You can make a horse drink and want water if you salt his oats. And there's a way to salt the oats of this world. And the reason the world is hostile is because they don't understand. They don't know what we have got. We have everlasting life in Christ. We're not religious. If the world knew what we had, they would ask. And that's what Jesus spoke of when he spoke to the woman at the well. He said, if you knew who it is that speaks to you, you'd ask, and he'd give you living water. Right. If the world knew that we have everlasting life in Christ, they would inquire because each human being has a will to live. We're not like a, a dog or a horse or a cat. We're not primates, as evolution would have us believe. We're made in the image of God, and God has placed eternity upon our hearts. And within every human heart, there is a cry of, oh, I don't want to die. That's because we're made in the image of God. We value life. We appreciate the sunrise. We appreciate the color of the sky, the sound of birds in the morning, music, love and laughter, friends and family. All those things give us pleasure and they're all given to us by the kindness of God. So nobody in his right mind wants to die. So what I do when I want to um, salt the oats is I appeal to a sinner's will to live. And this is a normal conversation. I have it every day. I had it today. I go to a college mostly twice a day and film for our YouTube channel. Just go up to a complete stranger and say, hey, what's your name? Fred, Fred, do you think there's an afterlife? That's my in question. Mm. And most people say, oh, I don't know. I say, are you afraid of death? And they say, yeah. So have you ever read the Bible? And they say, nope, because they're university students or college students wouldn't read the Bible. So do you know the Old Testament promised to destroy death? And the New Testament, we're told Harry does it or Harry did it. God promised to destroy death. And the Old Testament, New Testament tells us how he did it. They go, whoa. I said, did you know that? They say, no. So have you ever heard the gospel? They say, no, no, I haven't. Well, let me share it with you. The gospel is the good news that God destroyed death through Christ. Have to go through the Ten Commandments to show you what sin is. So you see your need of God's mercy before we get to the gospel. That okay? They say, yeah, sure. And away we go. Mm. So the oats have been salted by the sinner's desire. Desire. This cry to live. 
You know, there are people in gyms right now torturing themselves, trying to extend their life to make sure they're healthy and fit. There's yeah. people eating things that are disgusting. They don't even enjoy them because they want to extend <laughs> their life. And so if they knew what we had in Christ, that ask, like Jesus said to the woman at the well, well, think of a waitress. She sees three businessmen come into her restaurant. They're obviously wheeling and dealing millions of dollars. So is she intimidated? Not at all. She just walks straight up and says, can I take your order? Why is she bold? She just butted in a conversation. Important businessman. It's because she knows she has what they want. And you and I have what this world wants. We have the bread of life. We have everlasting life in Christ. And so that knowledge that we have what the world wants should make us bold. It makes us bold to salt the oats, create desire like Jesus did with a woman at the well, and then share the gospel and then leave the rest up to God. Well, that's powerful insight from Ray Comfort today here on The Bottom Line. The brand new book, So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Living without compromise in a world in need of truth. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, Living Without Compromise in a World in Need of Truth is the brand new book by Ray Comfort. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Life insurance will never replace the person you love, but that money can help you get through life when it feels impossible. When your life insurance claim is denied while you're already dealing with so much, you need someone on your side. Stephanie Cover of Coverlaw used to work for the insurance companies. She challenges and understands the way insurance companies think. Hire Stephanie to file a life insurance appeal while everything is still fresh in your mind. Don't let the insurance company get away with greedy behavior while you're in mourning. Stephanie Cover will do everything in her power to get you the financial protection which was promised to you as a beneficiary of the policy. The money from the life insurance proceeds can supplement your income so you can support yourself throughout the process of bereavement. Save Stephanie's number or call her now at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or you can fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Coverlaw. Stephanie Cover. she knows the other side. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Ray Comfort is my guest for this half hour. We're talking about his brand new book called So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, Living Without Compromise in a World in Need of Truth. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Today is Wednesday, the 22nd of March, and that means it's Everyone Wednesday. And so uh, in honor of my good friend, Gary Daniel Robinson, who uh, uh, would have been celebrating his 67th birthday today, he, got, he lost his battle with cancer in April of last year, but I thought this was appropriate on Gary's birthday uh, to offer up so many lions, so few Daniels, because he definitely was a Daniel in his own way. We have four copies of Ray Comfort's book, by the way, to give away, uh, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, four copies of Ray Comfort's book, So Many Lions, So Few Daniels. And if you look at the world around us and wonder what it was like to, you know, I mean, we think of Daniel in the lion's den, but also the fact that Daniel was willing to stand up to the opposition of the world and be a man of prayer, to be a good and godly man who uh, would, would literally uh, was willing to uh, pay the ultimate price for his faith. Uh, so many Daniels, so many lions, so few Daniels is a very timely read indeed. So many lions, so few Daniels by Ray Comfort, living without compromise in a world in need of truth. Four copies we're giving away right now at 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. More of my conversation with Ray Comfort just a moment. The bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Ray Comfort is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Brand new book is called So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, Living Without Compromise in a World in Need of Truth. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Of course, Ray Comfort, the award-winning apologist, popular speaker, over 100 books to his credit. He mentioned uh, his YouTube channel. He's produced several award-winning movies that have been seen by millions. We've got a link. Is it still fullyfreefilms.com, the website where we can find your information? Okay, very good. This brand new book, So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, Living Without Compromise in a World in Need of Truth, Ray. Uh, you you were mentioning before the break how uh, you approach the collegiate student, you know, on university, and and you don't ask questions about white privilege or climate change or this, that, and the other thing. You get right to the heart of the matter. And as you were sharing what a typical scenario goes through, uh, you go through with that scenario, I couldn't help but wonder why it is, and I'd love to get your take on this, why it is that we as Christians, I mean, everything you described makes perfect sense. It's very logical, but it really gets to the heart of the matter. Why do we spend so much time wondering and worrying about who we're voting for for president or what people think about certain rights or legalities or this, that, and the other thing, when our job in Matthew 28 and Mark 16 is to go into all the world and preach the gospel? How did we get left of center on that, Ray? I think we've lost our agenda. We we really think that... uh... Our job is to try and improve society. And if we did that, if we outlawed abortion and got rid of all this sexual perversion and marriage was reinstated as between man and a woman, we go back to the 50s when you didn't even lock your door of your car and lock your door of your house and people respected God. No one blasphemed like they do today. And and there was a sort of a measure of faith in God and the Ten Commandments were exalted. But back to the 50s, well, things are kind of harmonizing and nice, but we're still under the wrath of God and people are going to hell if they die in their sins. Our agenda is to warn every man that may present every man perfect. We don't want anyone to go to hell. So we're not here to clean up society. You think of the book of Acts. How much social work do they get involved in? How much do they try and change the Roman government? It's hardly even noticeable. They preach the gospel. And this is why. Bill, the, uh, Roger, the second I became a Christian, I became pro-life in a split second. The second I became a Christian, I became one man, one woman. Everything that was an abomination to God was an abomination to me. Everything God loved, I loved. Why? Because God had taken his law and written it upon my heart and caused me to walk in his statutes. And that's the answer to abortion. It's for the Christians to stand up and proclaim the gospel because the gospel is the power of God to salvation. That's what the early church did. 
and that's what we should do. The problem is we're so fearful of people being um, mocking us and being offended by what we say. And all we have to do is look at what Jesus did, appeal to the conscience, go through the commandments, and then preach grace. We don't need to get into apologetical arguments. We don't need to be experts. All we do is see apologetics as bait and the Ten Commandments or the moral law as the hook. When you go fishing, you don't just go with bait because you're going to end up with that happy fish that get away. Right. You use the bait to hide the hook. And so if I meet an atheist, I'll talk to him about atheism for one or two minutes and say, do you really believe the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything? Is that really what you believe as an atheist? I'll stay with apologetics until he's nibbling. And then I say, do you think you're a good person? And he says, yeah, pull the hook in, go through the commandments, mm -hmm. the knowledge of sin by the grace of God, and then preach the gospel. That's our agenda. And that's what will change the nation. But if you go the other way, social first, and then maybe the gospel later, you're putting the carriage before the horse. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't work. You don't go anywhere. And we haven't gone anywhere for about 40 or 50 years in that whole realm. Yeah, you can see it. Uh, Ray Comfort's new book is called So Many Lions, So Few Daniels. And we have a link for the book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. So where are the Daniels today, Ray Comfort? I mean, if we're looking to, I mean, you fall, that, fall into that category, I think, but who else? I mean, we, oftentimes when we look for a, a Daniel, it's like, where's that young guy who's going to run for office? Or where's that, you know, the guy who quarterbacked the Super Bowl winning team or something like that? And obviously it's so much more than just those accomplishments. Well, let me let me tell you, if I may, something exciting we're involved in, and, and it's going to raise up Daniels, praying for the Lord of the harvest that he'll raise up laborers. About six months ago, um, I began thinking about the coronation of King Charles coming up on May the 6th, and I thought, wow, Charles is going to, in front of an audience of hundreds of millions, reach out his hand, put it on the Bible, and swear before God to uphold the biblical truths of salvation by grace through faith. He's going to carry an orb, which is a type or symbolic of the globe, with a cross on the top, that the reign of Jesus Christ over the whole world. He's going to carry two swords, or be given two swords. One is a blunt sword, the sword of mercy, the gospel, a sharp sword, the sword of wrath, judgment, the sword of judgment, speaking of judgment day. I thought, wouldn't it be great if we produce a tract like this, with Charles on the front and the gospel on the back, and we used it to give to people who were fascinated by this whole thing. And I, I made a video, sent it to my team, sharing the vision. When I got an email from a gentleman, he said, what are you working on? So I sent him the video. He sent the ministry $200,000. Oh someone else, they sent 100,000, showed someone else the video. They sent 50,000. So we've made these tracks available. Uh, we had 7 million printed. We're making them freely available. And we are paying the shipping to anywhere in Europe, anywhere in England, anywhere in Australia, New Zealand, and throughout the US. But people have to order now totally free, no shipping, no charge for the tracks. It's all paid for. It's better than a fleece when God gives money. I thought so this is important. <laughs> and the thing is, we're not endorsing King Charles. We're just right. doing what Paul did in Acts 17. When he preached to the Athenians, he quoted Greek poets. What did he do that for? He's using him as a bridge to reach his hearers. Right. And we're using the coronation when hundreds of millions are going to go to church for a two-hour church service to hear about God and Jesus and the Bible. We're taking advantage of that as a bridge to reach the lost. So livingwaters.com forward slash London, livingwaters.com forward slash London. If you wait to get these till the coronation, we're going to, they're all going to be gone. I'll be gone. But yeah. if people order now, we can get a reprint of more billions and make this bigger than just 7 million. So livingwaters.com forward slash London to get those free gospel tracks.
and they're free. Uh, there's no purchase price and there's no shipping cost either. So, I mean, we're talking totally free, 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 free. I mean, yes, from Ray Comfort. Yes, now you get double. I'm kidding, but it's yeah. just, there's, no, there's no catch. Yeah. There's no catch. We just want to reach the lost. Well, and I think it's great. Ray Comfort is the uh, author of a brand new book called So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, Living Without Compromise in a World in Need of Truth. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com because time is of the essence. Obviously, I was talking with a, an apologist friend not too long ago who said, I'm really getting frustrated with the people who are coming to me with questions about, do you think we're in the end times? Do you think Christ is about to return? Finally, I just respond to everybody and say, of course he's returning. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Here we, I mean, it, and that, that seems to be lost on our culture, though, and, and people are just now waking up to it. Ray, take the final moments of our time together and, and talk about what necessarily you would like to see happen. I mean, obviously what God wants to see happen, but what you're starting to see happen. I mean, it seems like more and more Christians during the pandemic are waking up to the reality that either they're spiritually unfit or that they need to be you know, more engaged in the battle that they're already called to fight. One of the end time signs that people forget about, Jesus said, the gospel must be preached to the end of the earth, then shall the end come. So you and I can be part of hastening the coming of Christ. If you sit on your pew and do nothing, well, you're slacking and you need to get up and do what Jesus said, go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Yeah. You know, that great commission is a reproach on human nature. It, sh it shows how selfish we are. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. It's like saying to a doctor who's just found a cure to cancer, he's surrounded by patients, go and take that cure to the patients. He shouldn't have to be told. He should run if he's got compassion. And you and I should run to the ungodly because we have found everlasting life by God's grace. And so for us to be commanded and to drag our feet and uh, and listen to their hearts when they, when they get filled with fear, no, the opposite of Fear is faith. I have fears, but I push them out with faith. In the same way, a, a, a firefighter pushes aside his fears. If he arrives at a fire and there's a woman five stories up screaming for help, he has to climb a 60-foot ladder. He's terrified. Does he just go home? No, he's a firefighter. He just thinks of that woman and not himself. And that's what a Christian is. Someone who said, not my will, but yours be done. We don't think of ourselves and our fears. We think of the unsaved. That's what scripture means when it says others making a difference, having compassion, pulling them from the fire, hating them in the garments spotted by the flesh. Boy, when I think of those words of Jesus, uh, you know, not my will, but thy will be done. And that's the example that we have. If that was Jesus' prayer prior to going to the cross, then why shouldn't it be our prayer prior to stepping out into the world? Uh, Ray Comfort, the book is called So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, Living Without Compromise in a World in Need of Truth. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we'll also link up livingwaters.com forward slash London, where Bottom Line listeners can get those free tracks, not only get the free tracks, but have them sent to your home or your church for free. Uh, let's let's blanket all of Europe with these tracks and also here in the U.S. too, because we know how many millions of people here in the States are going to be watching the coronation. Um, Ray, are you the remotely interested in this other than just as an evangelistic opportunity? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you just had a kind of a secret, secret thing for the crown or if this uh, uh, was something that you were actually looking at and saying, look, how many billions of people are going to be dialed into this? This is a golden opportunity. I've got my own crown coming. I don't need anything. There like you that. go. Oh, amen and amen. Ray Comfort, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you, brother. God bless you. 
you know, one of the things I love about talking with Ray Comfort, just about anything, is the fact that it, it if you watch his videos, it seems like he's got so many different things all spinning, but he is always mono-focused on sharing the gospel, always focused on the Great Commission and helping people outside of the faith learn about the faith, and people inside the faith grow stronger in the faith. Uh, Ray, Ray Comfort, uh, the book is called uh, we, So Many Lions and So Few Daniels. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I gave the phone number out earlier. I, for, I say this in love and respect to our KCBC audience who picks us up live at 3.30 Pacific time. Uh, we Part one of this interview you're going to be hearing later on in the Bottom Line Show Extra, or you can go back and hear the podcast or go to myhopenow.com. Uh, but we've already given out the phone numbers. The phone lines are jammed right now, but I'll give it out again because we have four copies of Ray Comfort's book to give away. It's Everyone Wednesday, so everyone's going to win something. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. As we continue, we've got to talk about the vice president and her um, <clears throat> most recent speech. Also, the former president and whether or not he's going to be perp walking anytime soon. The latest news on the grand jury indictment and the possible arrest of Donald Trump. It's all coming your way next as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Ray Comfort for joining me today here on the bottom line, talking about his brand new book called So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, Living Without Compromise in a World in Need of Truth. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Now, it's everyone Wednesday, so everybody who calls is going to win something. But we have four copies of these Ray Comfort books. And, well, may I just say that our listeners are devouring them like lions. Uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And of course, if you go to livingwaters.com forward slash London, they've got those tracks that Ray was talking about. You can get those directly from uh, Ray Comfort's Living Waters Ministry. And also uh, you know, keep in mind here, uh, we are doing a kind of a fun little promotion going on here right now on K-Bright Radio, our local affiliate, and that is with regards to the resurrection itself. And one of the questions I asked Ray about, you know, why have we kind of moved away from the basics? But when you think about the gospel message, the gospel message, the central theme of the gospel message is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And most historians will give you Jesus died on a cross, but there is a certain measure of debate with regard to whether or not Jesus was resurrected from the dead. As a matter of fact, I was reading an interest. There's a website, some progressive site. You know, I try to read as much of you know the different sites as I can. And this is a guy who's a progressive theologian, so to speak, who said, "I'll give you Jesus Christ as Savior. I won't give you him as Lord because I don't believe he's the Messiah. But he is the Son of God, and he paid the penalty for my sin." I don't know how you separate the two. I mean, I really honestly don't. But there's a lot of confusion. And so being even Greg Laurie gave an interview with the Christian Post, I believe it was, earlier this week. And even he said, you know, quite frankly, I've been, you know, this evangelism thing, it's kind of been his ministry for the last 50 years. He said, I know a lot of Christians who don't, I don't want to say do it right, but give inaccurate information. Heck, I don't mind saying this. I mean, I grew up in the church, became a Christian at 19 which I can honestly say, I mean, it'd be one thing to say, well, I, pr I was baptized when I was two and I prayed the sinner's prayer when I was six and got my first Bible in third grade. Those are all true. And I made a profession of faith in the sixth grade. But that profession of faith was, I love Jesus as long as he gives me everything I want. You know, that's what a lot of sixth graders do. 
I mean, taking nothing away from anyone who makes a profession of faith in their childhood years. I've been a Christian since I was three. I've, I, that's between you and God, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to argue. As long as by the time we meet and we're in our 60s or whatever, we have a conversation, and I understand that you understand the gospel, and you understand that I understand the gospel. But the gospel, I mean, simply put, is not God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life, and so you need to give your life to him. And then it stops there. I, I, I hear too many pastors in pulpits, you do too, who say, you know, you have to do this. I mean, Jesus loves you, and God sent his son, and he's, just, he's pursuing you and whatever. You know what we call somebody who pursues you and says, I love you, with no other reason or justification? Yeah, we call them a predator, right? I mean, that's, I mean that, that whole idea, well, God loves you, and Jesus is pursuing you, that's great, but there's a reason why he's pursuing you. He's pursuing you because you were born sinful into a sinful fallen world and cannot free yourself. And that even once you profess faith in Christ and receive the gift of salvation, you are still going to sin. The difference is you're not going to sin as much. You're going to be sanctified more and more each and every day. And the reason that you can say Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord is because you believe he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. It's not just because he loves you. I mean, well, of course he loves you. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. And if you profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what does the resurrection mean to you? I encourage you to go to kbrightradio.com. Uh, you can click on the banner there and just go ahead and pop in your information and let us know what the resurrection means to you. By the way, while you're there, um, we also have available for you, this is a free download of Robert Morris, Worship in the Word, heard every weekend here on Kbright and all throughout the Crawford Network. There's a free Passion Week devotional that's available there as well. I highly recommend that you take advantage of those two opportunities. I mean, in addition to calling in for Ray Comfort's book, because understanding what it means to live a godly life, a life without fear. But the whole point about Daniel is not like, hey, we're just going to turn your frown upside down and show how bold we are for the Lord. There was a reason why Daniel was bold. I mean, I mean, no question. He, he's coming up against a, a value system and a belief system where he had to prove his allegiance and loyalty to God to them. And in doing so, you know, was better fit, better soldier, but was also very obedient to God. And the more they threw at him, the more he stood up against it and, and literally flouted it right in front of them and was threatened with his life a couple of times. And, well, God delivered him. And then, of course, the rest of Daniel, I'm, that's just the first six chapters of the book, the rest of the book of Daniel, not the Ray Comfort book. And then the rest of the story is prophetic. It's stuff that's speaking to us right now. But in a moment where we need and when we need Daniel's, to step up to the lions of the culture, where are the Daniels? Oftentimes we find that the Daniels, quote unquote, that we're looking for have been replaced by, I don't know, some mealy mouth, you know, uh, uh, get along to go along guy or go along to get along. Uh, it just says, I mean, oh, this is what the culture is doing. Well, let me see if there's a way I can kind of make it somewhat palatable for the church and for the world. I mean, scripture is clear that when you are living the way God calls you to live, even your enemies will be at peace with you. But that's not because you totally sold out to that side of the equation. 
you can live a good godly life, scripture tells us, and still have your enemies not hate you and not threaten to kill you, but you're still upholding God's standards. Look at Daniel's example. Ray Comfort writes about that in his book, and we've got the link up for it at thebottomlineshow.com. Again, the very provocative title, So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, Living with comp- living Without Compromise, rather, in a World in Need of Truth. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. We have four copies of this book to give away, and today's Everyone Wednesday. So if you are not one of the four winners, you're still going to win something. So your odds are fantastic. <laughs> it's a sure thing. Though sure thing Wednesday doesn't sound as good as everyone wins day. On the other side of this break, Donald Trump update, Kamala Harris pep talk, and reason number 944 why we don't want to hear any more of them. It's a short one, but, um, well, you can decide how effective it actually was. That's all coming up next as the bottom line continues. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Good to have you along. Uh, Ray Comfort's book is hanging in the balance. Uh, so many lions, so few Daniels. It's up for grabs. We've got four copies of them. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to The Bottom Line. Now, today we were told possibly though yesterday was also supposed to be sort of, and then Monday was going to be maybe uh, the day that Donald Trump was going to be indicted, and then he's going to be arrested, and then he was going to be perp-walked. And literally, I kid you not, uh, if you want to hear more on what we all think (laughs) uh, here at Crawford Broadcasting, uh, tomorrow's National Crawford Roundtable podcast has been posted. I mean, it's tomorrow for broadcast here. Um, we devoted the entire hour to talking about whether or not it was the right thing to do to uh, interrupt or, or to, to indict and arrest the former president, uh, media coverage, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very spirited conversation made possible by our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom, Freeborn, and Wilson Financial. Uh, I highly recommend you listen. Four o'clock Pacific on uh, KBRT tomorrow afternoon, the first half hour, 10.30 a.m. Pacific on KCBC, and also uh, running all throughout the weekend. Uh, the full half hour, you get part one on Saturday, part two on Sunday. Easiest thing to do is just go to myhopenow.com, and you can check that all out once Josh gets all the video and puts it together. Uh, basically, uh, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is the guy who's making this spectacle, and they were supposed to have a big meeting today, and they were supposed to interview a witness today, and President Trump was kind of teasing the idea that he had this witness who was going to come and testify, basically the super short version of what happened is that while he was running for office, uh, there was a woman, we now know her as Stormy Daniels, I think that's her professional name, and she was trying to get a few dollars out of the president, alleging that she had an affair with him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So he instructed his attorney to pay $130,000 to Ms. Daniels, and um, then that would all be, you know, call it hush money, right? Um, This is a very common practice in the political world. As a matter of fact, Congress, I believe, actually has a slush fund to just kind of make some of these cases go away. Uh, the fact that Ms. Daniels and her attorney, was Michael Avenetti, uh, wound up eventually being countersued by President Trump. He won a $300,000 settlement from her and her attorney went to prison. Uh, it, it's a, uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's a rather minute charge, but it's basically all progressives and Democrats have left. They tried January 6th, that didn't work. They tried Russia collusion, that didn't work. Um, by the way, John Rush pointed this out on our podcast this morning. Um, Hillary Clinton actually did the same thing 
that Donald Trump did with the Russian collusion story. She, her campaign paid a million dollars of campaign funds that was reauthorized, redirected, and then paid to uh, the people who put together the Steele dossier to allegedly prove that Donald Trump was working with the Russian government to try to overthrow Hillary Clinton. She was found guilty of that, given an $8,000 fine, no perp walk, no fingerprinting, no mugshot, none of that stuff. President Trump, though, is good theater, and so therefore, uh, the, the left-leaning media will want to give you that. As a matter of fact, when I last looked at MSNBC.com, every single story on their landing page was about Donald Trump. And literally, what will his mugshot look like? Will, he, will they put a coat over his hand when he's handcuffed? Or will we get to see the cuffs? Will there be any kind of video behind the... It was, it was pathetic. It was really just a shame. Uh, did he pay the money? Yes. Uh, was there actually an affair? Apparently not. Uh, did her attorney wind up going to prison? Yeah. Was the, the guy who was handling the thing for President Trump was Michael Cohn. He's gone to prison. I mean, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. But evidently, the canceled meeting today sent shockwaves through the media because apparently now the grand jury is supposed to be, quote unquote, on standby for tomorrow. So who knows? I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of wetting their finger and sticking it in the wind and saying what's going to play the best for them politically. Uh, I still think he's going to be indicted and arrested, and we're going to get the perp walk to end all perp walks. And this will be the first time in American history. This is a horrible day. And, um, well, they couldn't get any kind of charges off the January 6th committee, so now they have to go to Plan B, which is either the Stormy Daniels story or the Georgia election scandal, or they're still trying to debate whether or not they want to try to indict him for the Miralago thing. Keep it posted right here, and we'll keep you up to date. For our KCBC friends, enjoy the rest of your afternoon for the live programming. Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus is coming up next. For those who remain, we'll leave the phone lines open. If you have an opinion about Donald Trump and whether or not he'll be indicted, 800-227-5278. If Joe Biden decides not to run again or if he decides to leave office early, Kamala Harris would be your president. And I want to play a little speech that she gave recently that will make you think twice about whether or not you want her to be your commander in chief. It's coming up next as the bottom line continues in just a moment. Welcome to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marshall. Welcome back. If you've been with us for the entire first hour, I'm grateful that we come to your way every weekday, 90 minutes from 3 to 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 4 to 5.30 Mountain on a variety of different radio stations and a number of different markets all across the Western United States. Also streaming at kbrightradio.com, at 1220kldc.com. And we do have our podcast available through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tune in. Um, myhopenow.com is a good place to go. Myhopenow.com is exclusively video, but just saying that if you look at the amount of videos that you see up there under the bottom line show, you'll see when you go there, you'll find um, basically all of our pictures, Bob Duco and Neil Boron and John Rush and me. And then you'll see on the far left-hand side, it says National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. We do have GoPro cameras, and so we, we're in different states, obviously, and so we get video together. Josh Myers, our, our producer on that, uh, puts that all together. So you can watch all of us and our reactions, too. You can watch John and Neil not look at the camera and get the side angles of Bob. And I try to look at the camera, but sometimes, like this morning, my camera, literally, I had a cold alert on my battery. It was fully charged, but it just said, your battery's too cold. We're going to stop. So I had to kind of stop and reboot that's the way it went. But we were talking about President Trump. We were talking about the uh, the issue with whether or not 
he would be indicted. And the consensus from the four of us is, yes, he would be indicted and arrested. Uh, he's planning on it. The whole media is loving uh, this. If you go to msnbc.com, it's wall-to-wall Donald Trump. If you go to cnn.com, it's not so much Donald Trump. And if you go to fox.com, or foxnews.com, rather, uh, you see a story like this one that says that the grand jury in Manhattan has been placed on standby for Thursday, and they were sent home today. Uh, Manhattan District Attorney, or Attorney General, rather, Alvin Bragg, is the guy who's bringing these charges. And quite frankly, these charges are really weak. It's the same when they impeached him. But there's a whole cadre of people in the U.S., apparently, who have become so beholden to the give me a spectacle, give me a photo op, give me a headline, and that's all I need. And sadly, many of those same people fall into the category, and there but for the grace of God go we, of people who would just look at the headline and then say, there, I know everything that's going on. Headlines are designed to, I mean, it's intentional. The media outlets are designed to get you to look and to click and to share and to come up with a very uh, well-researched and nuanced and thought-out opinion in about five seconds. Oh, look, there's Donald Trump. Is he going to get arrested? That's the really short question that people are answering. But what is at stake here? I mean, this we're talking about the uh, when he was president of the United States, he did not try to you know pay off hush money. That came from campaign funding in 2016. So we're talking about a seven-and-a-half-year-old case. Then there's also the issue of the documents at Mar-a-Lago, documents that he legally declassified, documents that the FBI knew were there, had had communication with the president's people in Florida, and yet decided to still do the guns drawn, early dawn raid and knocking down doors and going through. It was the theater and the theatrics here were pretty high. As a matter of fact, uh, I, this is a term that we didn't hear a lot prior to President 44's administration, but the optics on that one were, we're taking charge. When the same thing happened at Joe Biden's Delaware home, when it happened at the Penn Biden Library, University of Pennsylvania, you know, the one that was funded with $80 million from the Chinese Communist Party. No, I mean, I'm not making that up. That's I wish that were hyperbole. It's not. Um, even Mike Pence had a couple of documents in his home office and said, oh, wait, I got to turn these things in. I don't want anyone coming after me. The president does have the ability to classify or declassify documents. The documents that were at Trump's Miralago mansion in Florida had all been declassified by him as per law. Happens all the time. President Obama had an issue with this. I mean, all former presidents have to go through this. But the fact that the Biden administration attempted to use this as a way to kind of sweeten the deal, try to attract the Uh, the mid-level voter, that no-party preference person, the independent who could either vote Republican or Democrat, trying to sway them a little bit, put as much stink out there attached to Donald Trump and Republicans as you can, and the theory is you'll get the Democrat vote. Well, apparently it worked in 2022 in the midterm, so why not gin up for 2024? But the cases, in terms of whether or not he should be arrested and booked and handcuffed and fingerprinted, then released on bond, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the the case here in Manhattan, this type of thing happens all the time. It happens in Congress with sitting members of Congress. So it's a pretty thin case at best. Okay, what do they have? What else do they have in their quiver? Well, there's the Georgia vote tampering scandal. What, What is that one, you might ask? That's the infamous phone call 
that Donald Trump did in fact place to Secretary of State uh, Brad Raffensperger, a Republican in Georgia, and basically asking for a recount because Georgia typically votes red. A couple of their main counties like Fulton County and Macon or whatever are now blue. I mean, there's 180 counties in Georgia and all but like 10 of them vote red. But the, the big majority ones have been infiltrated by Democrats and people who come in and register to vote and vote and then leave. They don't even live in Georgia. Their rules have been a little suspicious up until now. He called the Secretary of State and said, I think if you recount the votes, you're going to find more votes for me. That was leaked to the press as, I want you to recount the votes. You've got to find more votes for me. About four months later, when the audio was released and you heard the actual quote, well, by then no one cared. A lot of people have made up their mind that Donald Trump called Brad Raffensperger and said, hey, find me votes. I need to win. Flip Georgia. I need those electoral votes. Never happened. I mean, really, if it did, we would be the first to tell you it did not. And yet the grand jury's deciding, well, gee, maybe we should indict him and arrest him on that one. And again, grand jury indictment versus jury trial. No one's trying to find him guilty or, well, Democrats are trying to find him guilty of anything. Donald Trump has unpaid speeding tickets. Oh, well, Donald Trump has unpaid. Throw him in jail. Perp walk. You know, come on, guys. I mean, and then, <laughs> but wait, there's more. Don't forget the January 6th hearings. Remember those? Remember the prime time? We've got new evidence, damning evidence. It all points right back to Donald Trump. And how many arrests have been made? I mean, I realize that the smaller, you know, cases, the misdemeanor trespassing. I'm talking about congressional leadership. And why is that, you ask? Because all of a sudden, Kevin McCarthy did what Nancy Pelosi wouldn't do. He released all 41,000 hours of surveillance tape. And as you flip through the surveillance tape, you find out that maybe, just maybe, what we saw were a few isolated incidents. You know how when if there's a fire somewhere and they show you footage of the f building on fire. It's tragic, you know, building this, that, and the other thing. Three days later, they're still showing you that footage and your brain says, oh my gosh, that building's still on fire. Or like with an earthquake, right? Buildings collapse and there's roughage and ruin and rubble, all sorts of alliterated things here. And, and what do you do? You go, oh my gosh, look at all the buildings. Instead of saying, look at the building. Your mind plays tricks on you sometimes. And there are those who would believe that, you know, what, what happened on January 6th, I mean, it was unfortunate that people did lose their lives. It's unfortunate that the people did get injured, you know, storming certain areas, but there are other places too where their surveillance video shows the Capitol Police officers actually let people in the building. And I wouldn't say they escorted them, but at least they were present with them. The guy with the, you know, the, the antlers or whatever and the American flag on his face. Someone said, he was given a tour. Of the no, he wasn't. I mean, if you watch the video, he's walking around. There's a rather nervous Capitol Police officer walking behind him going, Are you, aren't you going to leave yet? You know, kind of like the first time the grandkids who are toddling come over to your house and they start looking at your family heirlooms. I mean, that's kind of the look this guy had on his face. All of which to say, there's always more to the story. And whether or not the president gets perp walked and cuffed and fingerprinted, a lot of it. Oh, and then there, the racketeering charges is what they're trying to insinuate in Georgia. It's mind boggling. It is absolutely mind boggling. But 
they sent the grand jury home in Manhattan today, and they've told them be on standby on Thursday because they're waiting to coordinate with the media how they're going to play this. What's going to be the most advantageous for President Biden and Democrats? And quite frankly, it's kind of strange that President Biden hasn't really made a comment. Attorney General Merrick Garland hasn't really made a comment. Vice President Harris hasn't really made a comment on that. But maybe, just maybe, the reason why Kamala Harris has not made that comment is because she was too busy doing other things like giving pep talks to basketball players in the March Madness tournament. Yeah, uh, the vice president's alma mater, Howard University, was in the round of 64 last weekend, and they played their opening round match. They did not come up on the winning end, but that did not stop the vice president, all these double negatives here, did not stop the vice president from going in and giving the fellows a pep talk after the game. Now, to watch the video, it's painful because they lost badly. But what's even worse is these guys just want to grab a shower, get back in their street clothes and go home. And they've got to sit there and listen to this speech. I'll warn you, it's not profane. It's just not terribly inspiring. It's only about a minute long. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want you to hear this speech and we'll offer a little bit of uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, constructive criticism for the vice president with regard to making that kind of pep talk. And there's stuff that we can learn from what she says and doesn't say in the talk as to how to not inspire the next generation. Coming up. All right, let's take that quick break and we'll come back in just a moment. Kamala Harris under the spotlight. That's coming up next as today's edition of the Bottom Line Show continues. You know, our uh, friends at Preborn are doing such great work. And I talk about telling the truth. All they're basically doing is telling the truth. You go in for an ultrasound, you get that ultrasound appointment, costs about $28 to do. Not for the person, but, but not for the woman. But she goes in and gets that pregnancy test, finds out she's pregnant, has the ultrasound, and then gets a chance to look at the child. And that beautiful moment where mother and child meet, it's just, it's truly precious. Hearing the heartbeat, it's incredible. Your $28 donation will save a baby's life because it provides one of those ultrasound treatments. Yesterday, a bottom line listener made a $500 donation. You could do the math on that. 560 would do 20 kids. So you could, whatever God is telling you to do, this is completely tax deductible. It is 100% of the money goes to the ultrasound. Preborn has different parts of their ministry that actually handle uh, bookkeeping and marketing and administration and stuff like that. And they do separate fundraising for this. So when we talk about this here on the Bottom Line Show, if you make a $100 donation today, $100 goes to saving babies through ultrasounds. And a $15,000 donation provides an ultrasound machine that will last a lifetime. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. Go today. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. You want to write a good Rush song? Just keep adding one beat every other measure. Roger Marsh here. I've got some lenders to congratulate here. I'll read them off my phone. Uh, we're giving away copies of Ray Comfort's book, the brand new one called So Many Lions, So Few Daniels. And congratulations to Kevin from Sonoma, also Scott from El Cajon, George from National City, and Douglas from Salida. Thank you for calling in a couple of KCBC listeners and a couple of uh, K-Bright listeners calling in to get in on those books. Of course, today is Everyone Wednesday, uh, 800-227-5278. Keep calling. 
I mean, we've got stuff that you can win. Uh, the Robert Morris devotional for a Lenten week, for Holy Week, uh, is a great devotional that's available for free. You can download that. We have Charles Stanley calendars. And also go to kbrightradio.com and let us know what the resurrection means to you. Um, it's really very simple, and it's a good way. I think it's a great spiritual discipline to be able to ask and answer the question, what does the resurrection mean to me? Because quite frankly, if I can answer that question, someone's going to ask, okay, well, so Jesus died on a cross and he was buried and you claim that he rose from the dead. So what? I mean, how many people have looked like they were dead and then they came back to life? I mean, so what? What does that mean? And then you say, well, hmm, 1 Peter 3.15, with gentleness and respect, let me tell you what that means. It means that I'm a sinner. And it means that I can't save myself from my sin, but I believe that Jesus didn't just die on a cross. He didn't do anything wrong. He was perfect, but he paid the penalty for my sin by dying that death. That's the death I deserve to die. It was the worst possible physical human death anybody at that time could ever endure, and he endured it. Matter of fact, uh, on my social media page this morning, I was uh, re reminiscing. It was about five years ago that I got to meet Jim Caviezel, who played the uh, who played Jesus in the Passion of the Christ, and he had made a new film called Paul, an Apostle of God, and uh, um, it was a great film. It was a great honor to meet uh, Jim. It was two weeks before my open heart surgery, and Jim was reminding me that he had had surgery twice on his heart as a result of filming the Passion of the Christ. It took them like five months to do that whole sequence of Jesus before Pilate, Jesus being ripped by the whipped by the Roman soldiers, uh, being nailed to the cross. And literally, while he was hanging on the cross, I think the cross they used was made out of metal or something like that. And it was wind. And, the wind and rain there was not CGI. It really happened. He got struck by lightning while he was on the cross. <laughs> he wound up, poor guy. Uh, one of the, they had props that were using for the whips, you know, when they were scourging him. And one of them actually came loose or whatever, and he had a 14-inch scar on his back. I mean, he, he wound up having two heart surgeries. One of them was a, a trans catheter thing where you come up the side and the rib cage. I'm doing this for the, uh, uh, for the folks at home watching on My Hope Now. And then the other was open heart surgery. And so he, he actually, I've, I've got a picture of him from this Paul the Apostle uh, movie. And he signed it for me, which was very nice. And then on the back, he wrote down the info, contact info for his doctor at the Cleveland Clinic, where they did all, it's a legendary heart clinic. And he says, hey, if anything goes wrong with your surgery, call these guys, tell them I told I said, I'm like, geez, I mean, Jim Caviezel, right? I mean, that, how cool is that? But the resurrection is everything in our faith. The fact that Jesus died and literally conquered death, rose, resurrected from the dead, conquered death and hell, so that you and I don't have to live eternally in death and hell for our sin. Our sins are now wiped clean. Blood doesn't wash anything clean, but the blood of Jesus washes the stain of your sin clean from your record. Not only does it pay the penalty for the sin, because that's something that everybody is going to have to give an account for. It's the reason why you go to hell is because you can't pay for your sin. You're basically condemned there. But God's a holy God. You can't dwell with God in your sinful state. But then it goes a step deeper when you get the opportunity to uh, basically say, not only is my debt paid, but my stain sin or the sin stain on my record is washed away and justification by faith. As one of my favorite pastors used to say, justification justified means just as if I had never sinned. So that's the kind of stuff we're looking for when you go to kbrightradio.com and you punch on the button that says, what does the resurrection mean to me? So I highly recommend you uh, 
get in there and get after it. Okay, let's get into this uh, Kamala Harris bit. Now, Howard University was in the uh, men's March Madness category. Howard, one of the uh, best known of the historically black colleges and universities, the HBCUs in the United States, has a fantastic reputation. And Kamala Harris is a graduate. She graduated from with her undergraduate degree in 1986, I believe. And then she went to law school, went to law school at Hastings, law school at UC Berkeley, no slouch school, and then went into her career, her career of public service. But she gets back to Howard quite a bit. She was back there last year for homecomings, prize gift there. Then she showed up at one of the baccalaureates at graduation, received the honorary doctorate thing. Well, for whatever reason, the White House thought it would be a pretty safe bet to have Kamala Harris go to March Madness and talk to the players after the game. Howard went in as the number 16 seed in their bracket, and the number one seed, Kansas Jayhawks, took it to them. Now, there were two number one seeds that were upset by number 16 teams, but not in Howard's case. Not only did Howard play Kansas and lose, they got run off the court. They lost by 28 points. It was not pretty, <laughs> to say the least. Needless to say, these guys are like, yeah, we saw these other 16s knock off number ones, and we got a shot, right? Well, no. Okay, uh, Todd, let's go ahead and roll the clip. This is Vice President Kamala Harris in the locker room, stage media event players sitting around in a circle in chairs and coaches and everything. And here is what Kamala Harris had to say to the Howard University Bison men's basketball team after they got crushed by the Kansas Jayhawks in round one of the NCAA March Madness Tournament. Todd, go ahead. You played hard. You played to the very last second. You made all us bison so, so proud. You showed the world who bison are. You know, I was at Howard back in the day where we were just happy that there was a game. <laughs> Much less getting to this place, right? And I see bison literally all over the world. And we've been talking about you, this team. You make us so proud. So I know you may not be feeling great right now, okay? But know who you are. You are excellence. This is what equity looks like. Okay, Even okay. With... So you can stop that. We don't need to hear that. That's not her. That's, <laughs> That's Reverend Truth or whatever who posted this video. You guys, I mean, this is just so great. I mean, we're just so happy to be here. I remember back in the day, Back in 1986, we weren't going to go to this thing, but now we're here. And I know you just got your butts handed to you by 28 points, but you know what? You were amazing. And you know, you played to the last second. Can we talk about false platitudes and how damaging they are, how ineffective they are, and how not helpful they are? Let's do that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. You know, I just finished a meeting in Africa with a group of guys. And I said to them, here's the deal. They want to know how things are going in the United States. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. Things are crummy. But I said, what you do every day is you get up every day, gentlemen, and you realize that none of this matters. God is in control. And if you believe that, then it, it's all downhill. And, and I said to them, I said, so as we struggle here with the things that we're planning to do here in Africa, it's exciting to see all the things that you guys want to do and the plans you're making. Just know that God is in charge. And so and the bad things that are happening in the United States, God is going to work all of them to good, Romans 8, 28. That's the only solution is just go back every day to Jesus and ask him 
for the guidance and what you're supposed to be doing. Amen and amen. Dennis Wilson, Wilson Financial Services, 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, historically, black colleges and universities have had plenty of representation at the NCAA tournament. Um, when Kamala Harris said, boy, we were I remember being back in the day. We were just happy to have a game. Uh, I don't think Kamala Harris was at Howard University when they made their first NCAA tournament appearance in 1981. Since she graduated in 1986. Um, now, it hasn't officially always been March Madness. We could play the semantics games. Todd, can you just play the vice president's part again? Can we get some parenting tips here and grandparenting tips on what not to say to young people to motivate them? Go ahead and roll it again, if you would. You play it hard. You play it to the very last second. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Of course they did. Why would they not play hard? They're in the tournament. They got an automatic bid for winning their division. They were league champions. You think they were going to go out there and go, yeah, it's Kansas, man. We don't have to try. And play to the very last, well, okay, yeah, you play to the last second, but when you're down by 28 points with four seconds left, there's not much chance of winning. Please continue. You made all us bison so, so proud. You showed the world who bison are. Hang on a second, hang on a second. Who are bison? I mean, and I mean this sincerely. I, I get the feeling from this point on, she's talking to them like they're five-year-olds who played their first soccer game and lost 35 to nothing. I mean, these are grown men on scholarship playing NCAA Division I basketball. Many of these guys will go on to pro careers. I'm just reading about the first Howard team that actually went to the NCAA tournament. Larry Spriggs played on that team. He had a great career with the Lakers in the NBA. You guys are so good, and you play, you made us so proud. Why is she talking down to them like this? Please continue, Todd, if you would. You know, I was at Howard back in the day where we were just happy that there was a game. <laughs> Much less getting to this place, right? And I see Bison literally all over the world, and we've been talking about you, this team. You make us so proud. So I know you may not be feeling great right now, okay? But know who you are. You are excellence. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Something tells me that this was a speech that was prepared for the team in 1981. And someone found it and thought it would be a good idea for the vice president to give it to the team in 2023. We've made a few strides with regard to what she's talking about over the past 42 years. But the left seems to be obsessed with this type of stuff. Instead of coming in and saying, hey guys, great game, couple of smiles, couple of handshakes, photo op and letting it be. Oh, look, the vice president was there because that's her alma mater. There's nothing for her to say here. And yet the White House felt, well, this is something she needs to address because, well, you know, She's got that Jamaican background, you know, I mean, it's really disappointing that the left wants to try to have it both ways. We want progress. We want to make strides. We want to see change come, but by golly, every chance we get the chance to pull out our bell bottoms and, you know, platform shoes, we're going to do it because you know, 
guys, congratulations on getting the tournament. You won your division. You had a great season. You made us all proud. Let's get a picture. How hard would that have been? Instead, these guys, I mean, you could see the anguish on their face. Now they're walking around going, what is she talking about? Why is she talking to us like we're five? What's next? Juice boxes? I play this only as a public service reminder to say for anyone who wants to impeach the current sitting president, if you do, this is his replacement. Lord help our nation. Because again, on the other side of the street, you have a guy over there going, I'm going to be arrested. It's going to be the best arrest ever. I don't know. If you want to hear more, by the way, on the potential perp walk of Donald Trump, we'll keep you up to date on that on tomorrow's program. And also when it comes to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, uh, we went at it hot and heavy for a good hour. And that's already up at uh, all of our usual places where the podcast is there. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God who sees us for who we are and offered the gift of salvation to us anyway. You created us for a relationship with you. You created us to have hearts that are sold out to you. You've written your natural law on our hearts. We know better. But Father, some of us have heard the call of your voice, and we've sensed the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and we love you. We've placed our faith and trust in you. We believe that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. And that because of his death and resurrection, we have eternal life and we claim that promise. But now, Father, as we look at another world around us, there definitely is a difference. And those people need to hear this good news as well. Father, please use us as conduits of your peace and instruments of your grace to share that good news. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen.